Tevin the Keg Daily is live for Thursday, August 31st. We're going to talk about why the Brewers and Cubs are the best rivalry in Major League Baseball right now. We're going to look back at the series, talk about that a little bit more. We're going to also talk about the Jonathan Taylor Packer rumors. What does that mean for the rest of the season? What does that mean for the running back room? Kind of get into that. How much smoke is that? Is that actually real? We'll get into that. And then a Wisconsin Buffalo betting preview, something we do on Fridays usually, but because we have Tappan Keg, we're going to do it here on Thursday. I will tell you why you should probably stay away, uh, but we'll get into uh, the line, the over-under, uh, a few other different things to look at if you are considering on wagering for the Badgers. Uh, we have some new followers on the social media, so welcome if you're checking out the podcast. For the first time, I promise you that usually we get these podcasts up probably midnight to one o'clock in the morning, uh, typically. Uh, it's been a rough ass week, uh, to say the least. I have just not caught a break uh, from the podcasting gods. I don't really know why. Uh, it's just been one of those weeks. Uh, maybe it's like kind of making sure like a reminder of football's on the way and you gotta be a little more on your game. Uh, I'm, not, I'm not quite sure, uh, to be honest with you, uh, but it's frustrating to say the least. Uh, but yeah, we are back in it. Uh, we tape four days a week. Uh, we talk about all things Wisconsin sports. Uh, and yeah, I'm your host, Charlie. And you can find us, if you're already following us on one of these platforms, you can follow us on other ones. X, Tapping the Keg. Uh, Instagram as well, Facebook and TikTok, Tapping the Keg Sports. Uh, and make sure that you are also subscribed if you like what you hear. If you're new, uh, we're on Apple, we're on Spotify, we're wherever else you get your podcast and you feel so obliged drop that review or drop it in the group chat. Tell your buddies, tell your friends, tell your wife what you're listening to or your husband for that matter. Uh, we don't discriminate. Uh, so yeah, you know, we, we have, I feel like we have a couple female listeners, but probably not that much. I would say our male to female demo is not that strong, but maybe prove me wrong. Let me know. Uh, but yeah, we will get in. I will stop rambling and we'll get into the Brewers Cubs rivalry and why I think it's the best of 2023. The Milwaukee Brewers, unfortunately, lost two to the Chicago Cubs this week. Uh, it was something that I, it was a big disappointment. I, I had said earlier this week that, you know, if the winning streak would kind of be for naught if the Brewers didn't win the series over the Chicago Cubs. I feel like I still stand by that. I think I still feel that way because it was a series where you, you kind of could separate yourself. You could kind of be like, all right, we are the NL Central's best. We are the third best team in the National League. And they did not do that. Uh, the Cubs now are three games up, uh, or three games back, excuse me. And like it, they still have a little bit of separation, but if things go off the rails against Philadelphia this weekend, the Cubs could be tied or even leading the division because they have four games against Cincinnati Reds. Now, obviously, a lot would have to happen in that scenario. The, the Cubs would have to sweep the Reds. The Brewers would have to get swept at home. Now, Phillies are playing really good baseball right now. It's probably the last team you want to see. Maybe the Mariners. Uh, Mariners or Dodgers, I think, would be the other two you don't want to see right now. So you're, you, you are facing a very hot team in Philadelphia, but the Brewers are equally hot, even though that they lost these two games. And I want to talk more in depth about, you know, last night's game uh, with Kyle Hendricks and Brandon Woodruff and sort of the first inning approach for the Brewers. Uh, but I, I want to talk more at a macro level about the rivalry itself because they have played so many one-run games. You think back to that 4th of July series 
where the Brewers could have easily won all four games and the Chicago Cubs could have easily also won all four games and they were all close and it was like a playoff atmosphere in July and you had three games this week that were playoff like for the Brewers and Cubs which is just incredible and you look at the season series and it's just been back and forth all season long and it is probably coming down to that final week of the season unless one of these teams falls apart it is going to be a complete bloodbath in American Family Field when this season ends. So let's see. In terms of the, the matchups, now I realize the first three games were at the start of the season. The Cubs won by four, the Brewers won by two, Brewers won by four, Cubs won by two, or Brewers then win by two. And then since that game, there have been one, two, three, four, five. Five out of the last six games between the Brewers and Cubs have been one-run baseball games. That's absurd. That is absurd. And that, to me, speaks to why this rivalry right now is so great and why you have the fan bases going at each other's throats on Twitter, similarly to Packers-Bears. And maybe maybe that's influencing it a little bit because Packers and Bears is just as steamy as an online rivalry. But I think on the field right now, Brewers and Cubs are the best Major League Baseball rivalry. Yankees and Red Sox are both jokes this season. They're both probably not going to make the playoffs. Uh, you have the Dodgers and the San Francisco Giants. The Giants are flailing. They're 14 and a half back of the Dodgers, and they've had a pretty brutal second half. Cubs Cardinals is a complete afterthought. Brewers Cardinals, complete afterthought. Braves Mets is nothing. Maybe you could say Braves Phillies, uh, but they really, I don't know, when's, when's the last time the Braves and Phillies played each other? It's been a while since we've even seen Braves Phillies this season. So it's, it's hard to say, oh yeah, Braves Phillies has been this lustful rivalry. San Diego LA was one that people expected to be a rivalry and it hasn't. Yeah, we have not seen Braves Phillies in the second half, you are going to see Brave Sillies on September 11th and a four-game series in Atlanta or at, in Philadelphia, excuse me. And then the following week, you'll be at Atlanta for Philadelphia. But at that point, the Braves might have things wrapped up and it might not really matter. So again, it goes back to the Brewers and Cubs rivalry. Maybe it's because they, A, it's close in terms of the standings, but B, they're catching each other at the right time. And the fact that there is the history of the two teams. Remember, the Brewers hit the Ryan Braun home run in 2008 against a Cubs team that was already going to the playoffs. But the Brewers were able to get into the playoffs because they beat the Cubs. And CeCe Sabathia had his great, you know, nine-inning uh, complete game and just an absolute masterclass from CeCe Sabathia in that game. Then you had the game 163 in 2018 where the Brewers were able to clinch the division and play this Colorado Rockies, or not the Rockies, pardon me. Yeah, no, they, they played the Rockies, but they didn't have to play the one-game playoff, which the Cubs had to play, and they would lose to the Rockies. We've not had a Brewers-Cubs playoff series, but that is on the table. Like, there is a real chance to make this rivalry even stronger, even better, is the fact that the Brewers and Cubs could play each other in the playoffs, which I think would maybe tear the fan bases apart. Uh, there are some, some Cubs fans who are Marquette basketball fans, and I, I feel like it would be troubled waters. Like I feel like we would need a Mia Copa a, a month later when Marquette basketball tips off. 
So if you look at the wild card standings right now, the Cubs are actually the fifth seed team. Uh, the San Francisco Giants hold that spot, even though what I said about the Giants and they're kind of flailing, they just, they've been very unimpressive uh, in the second half. Uh, they're 69 and 64. The Cubs are 71 and 62. The Cubs are nine games over uh, for the first time in uh, this season. And the Cubs are likely going to be that five spot. But if they do slide back, they will play the NL Central winner, which will be the Milwaukee Brewers. The Brewers aren't going to catch the Los Angeles Dodgers. The Los Angeles Dodgers will be the two seed. They'll have, they'll have the bye along with the Atlanta Braves and the Phillies. We'll either play the Cubs or the Brewers, likely, unless the Giants, Diamondbacks, or Reds make, make a run. Pardon me. And I, I look at that, and so the opportunity of a Brewers-Cubs three-game series in American Family Field or in Wrigley Field would just kind of set the table for the rivalry the rest of the next couple of years, right? I think you would have this rivalry and table stakes of, okay, we beat you in the playoffs. And you did have Brewer, uh, Cardinals-Cubs believe in the 2016 year when the Cubs won the World Series. And so the Cubs do have that over the Cardinals a little bit. Like, hey, last time we met in the playoffs, like we we owned your ass. The Schwarber home run is legendary. I think we all still remember, you know, kind of seeing that and witnessing that. Uh, but yeah, I, I think you could have a Brewers-Cubs matchup in the playoffs, which would be unbelievable. But I will say, kind of going back to the winning streak and back to just sort of resetting the deck for the Brewers, I'm not necessarily worried about the Cubs in terms of like, hey, they're going to catch us for the division. Yes, they have a plus 77 run differential. That would tell you that the Cubs are the best team in the NL Central. I, I still believe that the Brewers can hold them off. The Cubs are going through their harder, harder part of the schedule. So I think there's going to be some regression for Chicago. Uh, they are playing good baseball, right? I'm not disputing, you know, what the Cubs have done here in the second half and found sort of that magic in the bottle when they were looking like sellers and then basically convinced their ownership, like, hey, no, we have something special here and you have to give, you know, their management credit. You have to give David Ross credit. They could have easily waved the white flag and they didn't. Um, and But now it gets tough. You know, you have Cincinnati for four games and a doubleheader um, on Friday afternoon and Friday night. And then you go home to play San Francisco, home to play Arizona, easy against Colorado, and then you have to go play Arizona again. And those matchups, San Francisco and Arizona, they are going to be at your neck. For the first time all year, the Cubs are going to have a target on your back because they want to get up to that fifth wild card spot. I, You could argue, is it better to play the Brewers or the Philadelphia Phillies? Because the Phillies very well might be the third best team in baseball. So it might actually be advantageous to not get that fifth spot and get the sixth spot and play the Brewers. But still, I, I think, you know, the Giants and, and Arizona are fighting for that sixth spot. So you're still going to have the target on your back. And I, I do think this Philly series matters a great deal for the Brewers because they could get the tiebreaker over the Phillies if they were in the wild card. Um, they're right around the same record of the Phillies. And so this does matter. They have a 2-1 advantage. So if they were to win this series against Philadelphia, they would get the overall tiebreaker if Philly and Milwaukee finished with the same record overall. Let's see here if they to double check that. Because Philly, I mean, Philly's playing really well. They're 74 and 59, same record as Bruce. 
So the so yeah, so the Bruges and Phillies have the exact same record right now, even adding more importance to this series. If the Brewers were to take a step back and you know go on a little bit of a losing streak, which I hope not, uh, but it's going to be tough. And we're going to talk more about that series uh, with Mitch tomorrow on tapping the keg. But to wrap up Brewers Cubs, I, I think really what it comes down to is the Brewers have to adjust sometimes to the elements. And I, I don't think the Brewers have the best adjustments sometimes. I think they have their plan. And then when things go to shit, they don't necessarily adjust their plan. Uh, they they have adjusted to different pitchers. Like we saw the Scherzer thing they did on a couple Sundays ago and taking more pitches and being more patient at the plate. And I, I think with the weather and the elements that were presented with Justin Steele and then with Kyle Hendricks, like they had to adapt to that. And I think there needs to be a little bit more. I also think their approach, you know, in the first inning, especially when you're dealing with the elements, needs to be a little bit different. You know, if not for a first inning, right, the Brewers win both those games. Yeah, well, I don't. We don't know about uh, Tuesday. It would have been a zero-zero tie, and it would have been to, you know whoever scores first wins that baseball game. But then last yesterday, the Cubs scored two runs, and that was really all they needed. And I know that they you know had to get that third run across at, at the end. But also, no Devin Williams was a very interesting decision by Craig Council. You know, I think very highly of Craig Council. I don't. I rarely criticize Craig Council, but I'm really curious as to why Devin Williams wasn't there. The only thought, and I, I tell you guys this all the time on the pod, that when I try to critic, when I critique something, I try to think, all right, why did they do this? And I try to like, and I know that makes it me more middlemanny, but I think it's really important because I don't think not. I don't think enough people like really take a step back and think, all right, why is this happening? This is exactly the conversation we'll have about Jonathan Taylor. I think why Craig Council did not put Devin Williams out there is because tomorrow is the last day off for the Brewers for a while. And who knows how much you're going to need Devin Williams in the next couple of weeks. And I think that is why the Brewers shelved Devin Williams and put Piamis out there. Piamis has been great this season. He's been a little shaky uh, recently, but I, you could argue he didn't deserve that loss. Uh, you know, the Adamas error that happened, which I didn't really think was an error. I, I think it was a really, it was kind of a tough play. Um, and they're like, oh, you could make that in sleep. I, I mean, Council disagreed with that. You know, after the game, I disagreed with that in the moment. Like, I, I think I, I don't know if I deleted uh, the X, what do you call it, the e Z, whatever, uh, that I had. And I was like, oh, uh, I, I felt bad. Like, Adamas should have made that play, I guess. But yeah, going back to Williams, they, so they do not have a day off. He, this is, I mean, this is intense for the Brewers. Let's see. So you, you have today off the 31st. You then play, let's see here. You get off Thursday again before New York. So you get one day off against New York, and then you really start quite the stretch of baseball games where there isn't much of a day off after that. Like you have a day off for this Thursday, you have a day off next Thursday, but then you have a four game series against Miami. You have another four game series against St. Louis the following week. Uh, and then you get a Monday off before the final stretch of home games against St. Louis and Chicago. But so there is going to be a lot of baseball happening in September. And that's probably why we didn't see Devin Williams today, yesterday. 
It's frustrating. I, I agree. Like, I think it's one that you could have had with Devin Williams and you should have maybe pushed for it. But I understand the consequences. And I also understand, like, you're, you're facing a Philadelphia team that matters too this weekend. Like, don't discount the Philly matchup. I know we want to look and say, all right, Chicago's in our rearview mirror. But Philly is just as much in that mirror with the way they've been playing. They're 17-10 in the month of August and the fact that the Brewers and Phillies have the same record. And the Brewers, you know, can, if they win those first two games, you know, this weekend, they then have the series series wrapped up. And I think that's a very important thing for the Milwaukee Brewers and will matter if, you know, things go off the rails and they are the fifth wild card and they don't, or, or they are a wild card team and not a division winner. And I, I do think that, even though I was critical and saying, well, the streak doesn't matter because of the Cubs losses, I, I still feel like it puts a big damper on it. It's like the Debbie Downer, right? Where you're having fun and someone's just yeah budding and being like, well, but our drinks were kind of expensive or like, yeah, dinner, like my, my dinner wasn't that good. Like the people who just are like critiquing every little fucking thing when you go out, you know, those people, like that's kind of what this is. Because it's you still had fun, like we still had a good time, but there was that ah, there was that little like yeah buts yeah, but you lost two to the Cubs in the last eleven, right? I think what the winning streak did give you is basically it gives you a playoff spot. It it would be very hard for the Milwaukee Brewers not to get up. It would have to be a monumental collapse in September, which we really have not seen since two thousand and fourteen. That was the last time, and that was nine years ago. And Craig Council's record in September has been immaculate uh craig temper has been a thing uh and it's it'll be overdone tomorrow uh but it's it, it's a real thing and i think there there's definitely a you know this is now this is now go time and we're going to talk more about september tomorrow uh but brewers cubs as a rivalry is the best i think right now there isn't anything better uh i think you should make sure those games are on tv next uh, when you get the friday saturday sunday like no way apple tv should definitely carry brewers cubs uh, i think they they run out i think they let the locals take over but yeah i mean brewers cubs man it's gonna be a scene uh in a few weeks my dad has tickets on that thir- on that friday i don't know if he's taking me i don't know if he's taking my mom or or me but i, I definitely want to go even if it's just to protect him from cubs fans and make sure he's not talking shit and kind of being his bouncer but yeah brewers cubs is is something else and it's probably gonna come down to the wire which will cause me to probably lose my mind Moving on to the Jonathan Taylor news that came out uh, yesterday morning. So we're a little little behind on this, unfortunately. Uh, But Jonathan Taylor was rumored to be considered by the Green Bay Packers. And the Green Bay Packers were apparently the mystery team that was looking for Jonathan Taylor. Now, the rumors were they were looking for a first pick overall or first round pick overall and like a top tier player. Don't know how how true that is. I saw it from an aggregator, but he or she did not source it. So I'm not going to necessarily acknowledge it. I do know that they wanted a first round pick. Uh, It seemed like the obvious would have been to trade A.J. Dillon and a mid-round pick for Jonathan Taylor. And my big question coming out of this is, what does this say about the running back room? I kind of was on this yesterday, and I'm going to stay on it. Emmanuel Wilson making that football team tells me they are not really pleased with A.J. Dillon. And I think this furthers my point on it, that Emmanuel Wilson, I think, is going to get a real look 
from the Green Bay Packers this season. Like, I don't think that this is just, hey, a guy was great in the preseason and he earned a roster spot. I think there is, I wouldn't say friction, but I just think there's maybe some dissatisfaction with how Dylan is running the football and they want to make sure that they have vetted all options. And Dylan in the last year of his deal, you know, can't necessarily be comfortable. Like he can't, he has to play with a purpose and maybe this is a way to kind of light a fire under his ass. And, you know, I, Matt LaFleur had the comment where, you know, some guys need an arm around them and other guys need a foot up their ass, like, which is a great fucking quote by Matt LaFleur. Like, I love that quote because it's true. Like, there are some people that in your life where you can put your arm around and be like, hey, man, you got to like shape up or ship out. And then others, you got to be like, what the fuck are you doing? How are you fucking kidding me? Like, apologize for all the language, but like, I'm just trying to emphasize, like, that's sometimes what you have to do to your friends. And it's the same as a coach. And so I wonder if this is their way of motivating AJ Dillon to be like, hey, you are not comfortable here. Like, this is not necessarily a comforting situation for you. Like, you should not feel like this is a, a locked up spot for you. And I, I just wonder, is that part of why they looked at Jonathan Taylor? And who knows how serious they were, but now you add these two things together and I cannot think that it's not a coincidence and that they are maybe, you know, sniffing around and potentially looking at another option from A.J. Dillon or they're looking to move on from A.J. Dillon, not necessarily at the start of the season. I'd be stunned if they traded A.J. Dillon before the year started. But I, I do wonder, is this something that we have to pay a little closer attention that Emmanuel Wilson is going to maybe get some opportunities and that it opens the door, right? I, I think you have to at least acknowledge that. And I, I do wonder, you know, are the Packers going to be active in the trade market too? I think they will be if they're bad. I've said that, you know, countless times over. And I, I did also see somebody, people who are like, we should trade Bakhtiari now. It's like, no, absolutely fucking not. Like, I understand that we have an embarrassment of riches at the tackle position. But having an embarrassment of riches at the offensive line and the tackle position is a really good thing to have. It's a very good thing to have. I think that Green Bay will look at Bakhtiari deals if they're bad this season, if they struggle. I think absolutely David Bakhtiari will be on the table for teams and, and teams will be able to get David Bakhtiari. I think that's a real thing that would happen if Green Bay struggles this season. But there's no reason to get rid of Bakhtiari before his contract lessens after the 2023 season. Yes, there is an area of opportunity to get out from the Bakhtiari contract if you want. I, I don't necessarily think that's the case. I also think the idea of making Green Bay a lot faster and more athletic, you heard Brian Gunacus talk about that. I think he, that job is not done. I think he wants to get this absolute speed demon of a football team. And that's been something, you know, I think I have noticed. I, I noticed that before the year started. I said, I think this team's going to be really fast. Like, I, I think this team is going to be extremely athletic. I think they are going to be flying all over the football field on both sides of the ball. And it's going to be a breath of fresh, fresh air because when is the last time we've had a fast football team? And Brian Guduku said that too. He said the youth movement is not necessarily about young guys. It's about we just want the most athletic guys in the room. Like, this is basically... Brian Gunacus's 
master plan, right? I mean, the guy loves Roz scores more than I love craft beer. And he's, he's going, you know, all in on it. And this is now, this is kind of the culmination. And we'll see if it works out. But to, to circle back on the running back room, I think A.J. Dillon is still going to get reps. I still think A.J. Dillon is going to be a part of this offense. But I, I do wonder, is this a brush back for Dillon? And is this Brian Gunacus's way of saying like, hey, look, we need you to play better. If you want a contract from us, we're going to need to see more. We have Emmanuel Wilson here because he played really well. He's a similar running back to you. And we want to just see what's available. And you need to step it up. I felt like A.J. Dillon had a, really, had a solid year last year. Or not solid, but it was inconsistent. And so it's like, can you be a little more consistent? Can you keep your pad level low? Can you do the things that the Packers want out of you? And that's kind of why I think they they sniffed around with, with Taylor. And you can argue, is it real? Is it not? That I think it's more of the making sure that A.J. Dillon knows that his spot might not necessarily be comfortable and that they need to see a little bit more out of it. And I just, I do wonder, is Dylan on the block, if A, they see some stuff from Wilson during the season, because, you know, we've seen good teams trade away running backs. I think about the 49ers, right? Last year, they traded Jeff Wilson away to the Dolphins, and they just were like, we have too many running backs, and they trade away Jeff Wilson. Yeah, could the Packers do the same thing with A.J. Dillon? Potentially, right? Could a, could a team who's struggling a little bit, who just needs a running back, look at A.J. Dillon and be like, all right, yeah, we can get a running back, get him in there, see what he's about, and then decide if we want to give him a contract. Uh, you know, we'll see. And I, I think, I, I just wonder, you know, where what this means for him. And I don't think it means anything for Aaron Jones, by the way. I know I haven't mentioned Aaron Jones. We've talked about a bunch of running backs, and my focus has been more on Dillon. I, I, I think Aaron Jones is pretty safe. I think Aaron Jones is the leader of this team. Uh, I think he's going to be a captain. I consider him more of a leader than David Bakhtiari. Uh, not that we need to have a leader off or we need to have perspective on you know who leads better. I just think Aaron Jones is so dedicated to being a Green Bay Packer that he fits you know what we've seen in the past from guys like Jordy Nelson, Randall Cobb, even Aaron Rodgers. You know for his career until maybe the end. Uh, you know, uh, Leroy Butler, uh, yeah, like that's kind of how I see John Kuhn. That's like how I see Aaron Jones. And I, I think Aaron Jones is kind of one of those Packers for life. And so I, I just, I, I think there he is of the exception. Yes, the money would make more sense to have Aaron Jones, right? But I, I think that it's, it, he, he is safe. And I think, you know, he, he is the guy, he's the catalyst, and he's sort of the leader of this football team. And I, I think the Packers treat him as such. And I think there's a great deal of respect for Aaron Jones. So that's why it's more, I think, about Dylan and kind of getting the fire under A.J. Dillon. And I, yeah, I don't know. I don't think this trade was very real, uh, but you never know, right? I mean, he, they have 40, 40 weeks before he comes off the pup. And for the Packers... There is some case if you did really, if you were serious about this and you were wanting to make the deal, you know, you have a buy in week six. So you really could hypothetically speaking, you know, have a well-rested Jonathan Taylor starting in week seven and saying, all right, it's go time. And you have the combination of Jonathan Taylor and Aaron Jones in your backfield with Jordan Love 
that's that's pretty difficult. It's pretty hard to deal with if you're you're you have two veteran running backs with a young, talented wide receiver core and a good tight end, you know, or an emerging tight end. I don't know if we can call Luke Musgrave good. I think that a hype tight end maybe. Uh, that's that's something, man. So. We'll see. I, I doubt that there, this will go any further, but you never know, man. The NFL, the NFL always surprises you, and this this would be one that would surprise. But I, I do think there is an ulterior motive to why Taylor got mentioned by the Packers. Let's wrap up today's show with the betting preview for the Badgers and the Buffalo Bulls. Uh, it's the first Badger game. It's the first one for Luke Fickle. Uh, if you're new to the program and you've just joined us, uh, we do this usually every Friday. I'm podcasting with Mitch tomorrow, so that's why we're not doing it, where we kind of look at the betting lines as a way to preview the game uh, because I know there are you that gamble and that you want to know. And some of you might you know, have a full college football slate. Some of you might just want to bet on your football team, which is the Wisconsin Badgers. And I do like the Badgers. Um, I, I know I have some Marquette friends that follow. Uh, I, I've said before, yeah, I'm a weird one. I like Badger football, but like Marquette basketball, I realize that that is not popular. I realize that it's, you know, pick a side. I will say that it's a little harder to cheer for Badger football because of how good Marquette basketball has been. Weirdly enough, um, they have definitely are on the last of the totem pole. If we're ranking the five, the Badgers are way down there. Uh, but I still I still have a lot of respect for him. I'm still excited for the Luke Fickle era. I think that if the Badgers are good this year, I can certainly get back in. I think, you know, there were down periods with Marquette too, right? When Marquette was struggling. I, I think Wisconsin, you know, elevated above. I would say that I probably like college football more just as a sport over Badger football, if that makes sense. Uh, but yeah, I, I definitely, there's still definitely a lot to like about you know what's there on the table for the Badgers. And uh, I look forward to this season and look forward to talking about the games itself and you know what what Buffalo brings to the table because I'm sure not a lot of you know the Buffalo Bulls of the Mac. You want to call them the Bills, but they're the Bulls. Uh, fun fact. This game would have a, a great storyline to it if Lance Leopold stayed. Uh, Lance Leopold coming back to Wisconsin, uh, the Whitewater. I think they would actually add a little bit more of Leopold wanting to win that game or Leopold. I think it's Leopold, excuse me. Uh, but now he's at Kansas, so it doesn't necessarily add that. You, mar- you have Marquise Link, Mark Maurice Linquist, excuse me, uh, who did a great job last year. Uh, the Bulls were one and three, and then they really turned it around. They made a bowl game. They beat George Southern. Funny enough, the team, the Badgers are going to play in two weeks. Uh, and they, they come in here with you know some talent coming back. Uh, they have a, a pretty talented defense uh, that is back. Um, not necessarily talented, but they bring a lot of guys back. Uh, they bring like seven guys back on their defense. Cole Snyder, their quarterback, is back, but they don't really have anybody to throw a football to. They do have, you know, two running backs who are, are are back from last year's team. But so this is, there's still a feeling out period here with the Bulls. Now, you, the same could be said for the Badgers, right? With all their new pieces, with Tanner Mordecai, with the, the new receivers, you still have Braylon Allen back. And I, I do wonder, will there be more of a reliance on Braylon Allen in this football game? Will we see more of Braylon Allen uh, and that the Badgers will not necessarily, you know, have this game be up and down and, and run and gun and be a little more like what we've seen in the past and sort of control the clock and get everybody comfortable. 
I personally think you will see that more often. Uh, the Badgers are a 28-point favorite. I would not lay that, um, not in the slightest. I think that, to me, is a pure stay away. Uh, if you want to bet it because it's your team, go ahead. But I, I just don't see how, A, how you get there, just with the uncertainty of the offense. Now, yes, the Badgers are talented defensively, and maybe because there's nobody to throw the ball to for Buffalo, that the Badgers defense is able to take advantage of that. And the fact that you also have a, you know, a Buffalo team that gave up five yards per carry um, on the ground, they really struggled stopping the run last year, and that Braylon Allen goes off. So you look at it, and you're like, okay, 28, they can get there. They can definitely get to 28. I just, I'm very hesitant on that. I think that I, I would not recommend that to anybody. I think if I'm looking at it, it's not to me a 28 point game. Buffalo's a very talented football team, right? Uh, they they are talented for the MAC, but the MAC sometimes can put up some fights against Big Ten teams. We've seen it in the past. Uh, you know, I, I think that this line was like 23 or 24 uh, it, it, as it opened. And then with the hype around Wisconsin, it's go, grown to 28. I think 24 is perfect. Like, I think that's a, a fair line. I think that's probably where it should have been. And so if you've got it at 24, I think you're sitting pretty nicely. Uh, I just think four scores is a lot. Like you need Wisconsin to essentially win, you know, by 31 points. You need like a 41 to 10 victory. Um, and that sounds, that kind of sounds right, but I, I just, I, I think there's just so much unknown on are the Badgers, you know, going to be ready? Like, are they going to look crisp? And, you know, maybe they do, maybe they come out and they win like 52 to nothing. And I just completely underestimated, you know, the preparation that Luke Fickle and the coaching staff had. But I think when there is so much unknown, it's just hard for me to say, all right, yeah, lay, lay the 28. Uh, it doesn't make a ton of sense to me. Uh, as for the over-under at 54, I actually like the under. I think that it will put that as like our sort of quote-unquote best bet, right? Uh, because I, I think there's just, A, there's going to be a lot of ball control. Uh, Buffalo brings back two of their running backs uh, in Ron Cole and Mike Washington. And you have... Braylon Allen on the other side, you have, you know, again, a lot of new faces. And I just can see this game being, you know, one about ball control and one that where the clock gets eaten up. Remember, there are new clock rules where it runs after every first down. Uh, the clock doesn't stop as much as it used to in college football, uh, which has, you know, created some consternation. You know, Mac Brown was like, oh, the kids. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like, bro, we're not watching four-hour fucking football games. Like, I'm sorry, stop passing the football and maybe we wouldn't have this. But because you pass the football so much, like you have to do some things so we're not having games that are going for four fucking hours. That's like baseball showed that if you can speed up your games a little bit, more attention, more ratings, more popularity. I know college football is already really popular, but guess what? You can get even more popular if you find ways to kind of speed up the, the football games or speed up the sporting events. Uh, anyways, sidetrack from that. I, I, yeah, I think the under is the way to go. Um, I, I think that 54 seems like a lot. Um, I think that's, again, inflated because of the Phil Longo angle, because of the way the new Badger offense might look. I think that's a little bit generous here. And I could certainly see this going under, for example, uh, you know, the Maryland Buffalo game that was last year, uh, they played another Big Ten team. That was 41 points. 
Um, I, I could certainly see something like that or the, a shutout for the Badgers where they win like 42 to nothing. Um, but yeah, I, I think that this is an under for me. Um, and that's kind of where I would start um, my card. If I were to put the Badgers on it, it would be an under 54. Um, I, I think that's a nice number. Um, I think that's also a, a solid football number too. Um, so you can get a little bit of scoring, but you don't have to get a lot. Uh, other things to look at in terms of the what's available. Uh, you know, it's early in the week, so you don't get everything. Uh, you have the Badger first half line of 16 and a half. Again, the uncertainty. I don't know what you're getting out of Wisconsin. So 16 and a half is, yeah, you get it under 17, but that's a lot, man. That, that is a lot and, and pretty juiced to Wisconsin. And I, I think you're going to see those first half lines juice the, these next couple of weeks against lesser opponents. And yeah, I, I would not lay that either. Uh, as I sort of said about the spread, I did find an interesting prop. Uh, will there be a scoreless quarter plus 278? I like that. Like, I, I like if you are a prop person and that's kind of what you're you're into, like, that's pretty good value if you think, like, okay, A, I, I like the under. Like, this is kind of, like, game theory, which is a popular thing to do. It's like, all right, I like the under. All right, if I'm saying, all right, I like the under, and I wish I've now said, like, three times in a row. But, it, but then you have that. Plus, you think there's going to be a lot of ball control. Plus, you, you think that there's some uncertainty. Like, it's very possible it could be 0-0 after the first quarter. And then you, you hit on a, you know, two, you know, basically you lay 10, you win $27. Like that's it's pretty good. It's pretty, that's pretty solid. That's what you want, right? So I don't know. That's that's one I would consider uh, if you're thinking about a prop. I'm sure there'll be other ones out there, um, but the college football prop game is not strong. And also they wait to put those props out until Saturday. So that's always unfortunate. Um, that makes this sort of uh, conversation a little bit more difficult. But what what can you do? All right, that does it for our show. That does it for our solo pods this week, Mitch and I tomorrow. Um, thank God, uh, I, I need it. After the hellish week we've had, thank you to all who've listened. Um, again, next week will be better. Um, it'll be an interesting week next week. Uh, we will have a Friday show. I, I don't know if it's going to be Mitch and I, or it's going to be Mitch, Murph and I, or just Murph and I, but we're going to do a Packer preview next week for tapping the keg. Uh, we'll have a Badger reaction um, on Monday. Uh, I'll, I'll commit to that. I don't know if it'll come out like first thing Monday morning, but you'll have a show on Monday for you. Um, and then we'll, I'll just kind of decide the schedule from there um, and get you guys ready for the week and the first week of the NFL, second week of college football. Be fun, man. So thank you to all who've listened. Really appreciate it. And yeah, we'll see you, we'll see you tomorrow with Mitch. And then we'll see you next week uh, solo back at it on Monday. Uh, take care, guys. Have a good one. We'll see you then. Bye.